0: Support for this podcast comes from Staffing Future. Nowadays, your recruitment website needs to do more than just validate your business. Websites are your digital front door where new clients and great talent should come knocking. So, do you want your recruitment website to stand out from the crowd, generate new business leads, and placement revenue? If that's a yes, then talk to Staffing Future, the recruitment website and technology experts. Get a free website and technology stack review and competitor analysis today. Just visit Staffing Future. What great ideas are so close within your grasp? Seeing other points of view,
1: anticipating change, considering multiple possible turnouts, acknowledging uncertainty, searching for compromise. We're going to talk about how to get over those limiters of innovation
0: so that you can extract better thinking from yourself and your team. So let's talk about how to win the future. Welcome to the Marketing Rules podcast from Thinking Circles with me, your host, James Whitlock. How many times have you been told that content is king and it's the key to inbound marketing? A lot, I guess. But where do you start? Joining me this week to discuss all things content marketing is Jessica Ross. Jessica started her own marketing business in 2020 and has carved out a niche for herself as a content specialist. Welcome back everybody to the Marketing Rules podcast and I am joined by Jessica Ross um, and Jessica is here today to kind of talk a little bit around, uh, recruitment, copywriting and, uh, all kinds of other types of copywriting as well, and drop some absolute kind of nuggets on, uh, on our listeners on how to get the best out of their, um, their content. But I feel like at first, Jess, why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself, um, a bit, a bit of your background as well.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a freelance marketer and copywriter. Uh, I only went self-employed uh, in September last year. Uh, thought it'd be a really great idea to start a business during a global <laughs> pandemic. Why not? <laughs> uh, but I spent three years as a recruitment marketer. Um, and prior to that, I was working with the brand team at Lush Cosmetics. So uh, I've been in marketing for a while now. And uh, yeah, it's it's been amazing sort of deciding to, to go self-employed after being made redundant. It's a really rubbish situation for everyone, but I'm trying to make the best of it. Uh, and it's it's been going really, really well. Um, I look after a variety of different aspects. My clients, so it ranges from social media management, brand strategy, PR and promotions. But my bread and butter is really copywriting. Uh, and, you know, for me, helping businesses turn their thoughts into really engaging words is is something that I really enjoy. And it's, yeah, I think it's something that's underrated a lot and it's not something people really actively think of uh, that much. So it's really a joy to be able to help businesses understand why it should be rated more highly than it is.
0: Um, It's one of those aspects that's really fucking difficult as well. If you're not a copywriter or if you're not, I mean, I personally am not a particularly good writer. I cannot write for Toffee. Um, and it always amazes <laughs> me that I can sit there just sweating over trying to kind of write just a couple of paragraphs and then, um, and then someone like yourself can just kind of can so elegantly kind of bring that, bring those kind of thoughts together. It always amazes me because I'm just not that, just that eloquent. It is such just so frustrating. Um, and I think you, I think, I think you're right to assert this don't understand what a good quality copywriter and good quality copy, how much that can make a difference, right? I mean, there, it can be the difference between someone uh, kind of staying on your, for instance, reading your advert and not reading your advert or spotting all the, the grammatical and typos in your advert and then moving on, <laughs> you know, and, and within recruitment, maybe even also things like not understanding... The kind of the possible biases that are kind of written into the advert and things like that. Right. So, I mean, I think that's a good kind of place maybe to start is around kind of um, recruitment, uh, job advert writing. Uh, I know this is kind of something that you've kind of worked on a lot. So kind of what other kind of, where, where do you, where do you start? You know, what are the kind of things that we should be kind of trying to kind of put in place?
1: Yeah. So I, I think, you know, it, a lot is asked of recruitment consultants now. They need to be sales. They need to be marketing. They need to be everything, you know, to everyone. Um, so I think, you know, it, it is about definitely nurturing the relationship between the two. Um, but I think one of the biggest mistakes I I've always seen is when you just see a job spec that's copy and pasted into a job ad and it goes on a board. And it the thing is, an internal document that is meant to help screen candidates is not the same thing that you need to be putting out for those candidates to actually see. Um, some really basic things that people should be thinking about is actually structuring their adverts. So actually thinking about you know, smaller paragraphs, shorter sentences, subheadings, bullet points, the real basics. Um, and then thinking about how you're actually selling your client, you know, whereas Previously, I would preach about, you know, there weren't enough job adverts actually sold a perk such as working from home or working flexibly. And now it's all I see when it's not even a perk anymore. It's, you know, everybody's working from home. So when I see a job advert that says, guess what, you get to work from home, it's like, oh, my God, everyone is. <laughs> uh, so really, really think about what are the actual, uh, you know, what's the differences in the company? And, you know, actually, what's, what's the culture fit there as well? Because those are the things that candidates are really looking for now. If they're, you know, if they're applying to be a, a job to be a, an accountant, for example, they don't need you to list out the responsibilities of an accountant. They know what their job is. They know what they have to do. Um, so it's why should working that. In, you know, in that particular place be any different than somewhere else? Um, and that really comes down to knowing your audience. So, you know, actually thinking about what if you, you know, if this was you applying for it, what would you want to know about that job? Uh, and using the correct language that's going to appeal to those candidates. So uh, if I if I was reading a job advert for something to do with marketing, I'd want it to be all singing, all dancing, lots of descriptive words, lots of adjectives, make it really sparkly and fun whereas maybe if it's a solicitor you know maybe it's a little more bit more technical or you know if it's an engineer it's more about the the bells and whistles and actually what their job you know entails maybe their career progression and development opportunities um but i think you know you hit the nail on the head with what you said at the beginning in general in terms of copywriting that it is something that's very much in the background people don't think about what you know when they look at words on an advert it's the last thing they think about actually someone's behind that writing them. Um, and you see a TV advert or you, you see a, a big billboard up in, in London or on the tube, you don't necessarily think about the fact that someone's had to sit down and actually craft the copy that's gone into that. And I, I think it's yeah, it's it's something that it isn't easy. And when you were saying you could sit there and really struggle to, to write something. I think actually there's nothing better than having an outside person come in and look at that because sometimes when it's your own business, you're too close to it. And when it's your baby, you're thinking about it very internally. So for someone to come in from an outside perspective, uh, it can, yeah, sometimes that can really just bring a, a fresh take on, on what it is and how you're actually trying to explain it to people.
0: Um do you ever get that kind of uh, that, that kickback that we do when it's like, oh, you don't know our industry? How can you kind of talk to talk to people? How, you know, you mentioned kind of solicitors, obviously, you know, marketing very well. But, you know, how do you kind of And my feeling is, is, well, you know, apart from there is there's some there's some key terms. I think you've always got to kind of drop in that are relative to that to that industry to show that you technically know that. But then it comes down to people talking to people. And how would you talk to someone who was who was a solicitor or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and and that's more about being, I think that's more about kind of empathy than necessarily is about the kind of technicalities of of knowing the industry inside out.
1: Yeah, for sure. And especially when it comes to job adverts, you know, people now more than ever need to be writing them for both humans and for Google. Mm. Uh, So, you know, not enough recruiters actually think about SEO or even understand what it is. Uh, And I think that's a really important thing, you know, when job boards and as a competing left, right, and center to to get to the top, especially right now where there's so many candidates going, you know, for for so fewer jobs, you want to make sure that yours is front and center. And it isn't just about littering your job advert, repeating the keywords over and over. It has to be done and, and crafted in a certain way. And even when we think about, you know, heading forward into the future, Crafting your your job adverts for voice search as well. You know, there's it's going to change over time uh, how how copy is written. Uh, but it's ultimately it's it's what you said. It comes down to knowing your audience. And actually, if if you don't know the person who's going to be applying for that job, how can you possibly write uh, you know a compelling job advert that's actually going to attract them? If you're literally just putting this is the job and this is why you know this is why you should apply. There's nothing tangible there that's actually going to excite them, and too many job adverts will just list out. This is what we want from you. This is what you're going to be doing. This is what you're going to give us. And you get right to the bottom, and it's like, well, where's the bit for what I get? And it, it's just me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's and I totally get it, especially within recruitment because it's very much from a, you know recruitment perspective. It's what the client needs. It's what the client wants. It's what they've asked for. you also have you have to give something in return and when so few job ads highlight a salary now there has to be something on there and it's not good enough to just say you get free parking and free fresh fruit on a friday like no one gives a shit they really don't they they want and they want tangible you know benefits and reasons why they should go to company a instead of company b and not enough people understand those differences
0: yeah, it can feel very transactional, can't it? Sometimes, and I think that's the kind of where you want to kind of get away from. Um, I just want to kind of uh, loop back to what you mentioned around um, SEO and get your thoughts on conversations we've had around kind of job adverts and and SEO. Um, and it does tie into copy to a certain extent. Is how much does SEO really now play in in writing a job ad when it's so difficult to get your job seen beyond? The job boards who dominate the, the pages, you know, is it worth concentrating on getting your job uh, ranked highly within a job within a job boards and then them letting them do the hard work of getting it at kind of the top of Google as opposed to you doing it?
1: I think it needs to be a balance between the two. Um, I wouldn't say anything. I mean, whenever I write an article or, or, or anything for a website, it's it's done with SEO in mind, but that's it. It's done with it in mind. It's not done with the pure focus of, oh my goodness, I need to get these, these keywords in, these key phrases. I need to do it eight amount of times. It should, it just, should just flow naturally. And as you say, you are writing this for humans, um, but it does need to be picked up as well. And what you don't want is for it to, if especially if you're just copy and pasting, and if you copy and paste the same job on multiple different boards, it's going to come across as spammy. It's going to come across as there's no care or retention. Um, and the amount of times that I've seen one job advert and it's just literally the same across every single, you know, different recruiters, different consultants, you can see on all the boards, and it's like, oh, that's so lazy. And I think that's the thing. It's just about taking a little bit of time and, and care and effort when you're writing it. Um, and you know, there's there's some really great tools out there to help with with SEO. And I think you know, when when you're thinking about writing you know a job advert and actually well should i bother with it because i'll let the job board do the work for me if you could craft a perfect job advert that went on your own website that was built for both humans and seo perfectly why would you need to pay a job board thousands of pounds every single year to do that for you
0: mm. no no I, I i i i agree um and uh, i think that people should be to kind of moving in that direction as a, and not saying that there isn't a place for job boards, but I think there is, there's, there's the more emphasis you give to your own brand should definitely be, that should come higher than, than on the job boards. Um, uh, so with regards to kind of recruiters writing copy, um, and I'm sure we can have some fun around this. Where do you think this, where, where do you think this kind of responsibility lays, you know, from your experience of working within, within a recruitment agency, did you write the job adverts or did you, did you train the recruiters to do it? Did you trust the recruiters to do it? You know um, it's, it's not, it's not unfair to say that, you know, recruiters, or recruiters are recruiters They're not necessarily always kind of copywriters and not necessarily expected to be copywriters. So what what's your kind of feeling on that subject?
1: So my own experience is a little bit varied um, because when, when I was an in-house recruitment marketer, I, I put together loads of training. Um, I think the thing is, I understand that consultants are very time poor. You know, it's they're smashing the phones, they need things yesterday, they don't have time for marketing bullshit. And I get that. Um, and, you know, I think it's one of those sometimes you can put as much training together as possible and you can deliver as much training. But ultimately, if people aren't on board with it and they don't want to run with it, you're kind of just talking at a brick wall. Um, so I I did a mixture. Um, and certainly now in my freelance role, I've I've written uh job copy for for some bigger brands. I did some work with um Random House Group for like the Penguin Books. and they were looking for some new people. So helped them crafting with their job ads. And I think it, you know, it's it's a bit different. Maybe if it's uh, you know a brand who are advertising in-house and they just need the odd job advert done, it feels a lot easier to get a copywriter on board because it's a couple of job ads that they need refining, maybe a few times a year. Whereas obviously for an agency where the job adverts are going out every single second, um, you know, I, I would imagine you know they're feeling like, well, we just don't have the time to, to dedicate to this. And this is why I sort of, I suppose, bring back to what I said at the beginning, which is that the sales and marketing role, they're kind of becoming blurred. And I think, in my opinion, eventually, there won't be sales teams and marketing teams. They need to be one team. You need to be able to have a role that encompasses all of that. And you know, when we say, oh, I don't have time to do that, if you joined a company and that was your job description. You would find time to do that. Um, it's only because you've been, you know, trained and brainwashed that this is what you need to do, um, that, that you don't consider it part of your role. And I think actually it's an education piece as well. When when I first joined um in-house, the agency I worked for had never had anyone doing marketing internally. So actually explaining to consultants why it's important. And when I was first talking about copywriting, it was sort of you just saw everyone's eyes kind of glaze (laughs) over. Uh like what is this woman going on about? But you do see some of it actually sinking in. And when you really start explaining the why behind it, because it's all well and good saying, oh yeah, I want you to take an extra half an hour out of every day to sit and craft every single, you know, job ad properly. But actually when you tell them, okay, well, if you do that, you're going to get a higher applicant rate. And not only that, the applicants that come through are going to be of higher quality. So you're going to have to do less screening and you're going to have to go through less bullshit. And especially at the moment where you've got like 3,000 candidates in a 24-hour period, you know, you're going to cut all of that down. So you're going to be more efficient. You're going to hire people quicker. You're going to make more money, X, Y, Z. When you start explaining how it benefits them, because we know salespeople are very driven and very motivated by you know, what the end result is. When you explain it in those terms, uh, then I think people start to understand, but it's definitely a training exercise for sure.
0: Um, and could you go down the route of kind of writing job templates? Because that used to be a really big thing. I remember kind of a couple of years ago, so the, the job template, and, and then you would just kind of cut and place. You'd, you know, you'd find the kind of top 10 jobs you always recruit for and just literally have the template for them and cut, cut and paste that in. Uh, is that something that you kind of advocate or? I th- I
1: think if it's a great start. If if you you know if you've never done it before, and you know you've got maybe a really small team, and you don't have the the budget to to look at outside resources, then sure, it's definitely a great place to start. But my worry with templates is that they just become the next version of the copy and paste, um, because then people again, it's it's the easy way to do it, um, and then you would start mixing from client to client. You could have the same job title, but you'll have two jobs go out exactly the same copy and paste. But for different clients, you don't know who's what, what the different benefits are. Um, so I would say you. Yeah, I'm erring on the side of yes, because I think it's better than nothing. Um, but if if people really do want to dedicate the time to it, it just needs to become part of the role. And whether that's you know bringing marketing closer to the sales team and then working more homo- harmoniously together or whether it's bringing on consultants that have that experience uh that can actually do that and i have worked with recruiters that they can churn out amazing really descriptive almost storytelling uh captivating job adverts and you've got others that literally don't have a clue uh so yeah it's it's a really tough one because mm. everyone's so different in those roles, and some of them may not even want to do it. you know they think, well, that's not what I signed up for um so it has to kind of come from higher up as well. Yeah. You have to lead from the front, and if the founders of a business and the leaders in a business are saying, this is what the direction we want to go in, then the hope is everyone else will follow along that same path too
0: um. I mean that makes complete sense. Uh, I mean, the one one advantage I can see for the job template, um, and this is this is this is now me getting able to kind of slightly do, dodgy ground, is around kind of bias and gender bias and inclusion uh, and equality and diversity, which I think for most businesses still find as a bit of a minefield. And I know I I do as well, and I've done a lot lot of work around it, and um and I've tried to kind of immerse myself in it, but it still can be very difficult. Um. Is there anything, is there any kind of tips or anything you, you can see how we can, you know, kind of check ourselves when we're writing these adverts is kind of make sure that we're not kind of taking ourselves down or likely to inadvertently or, or overtly offend anyone from kind of our, in our adverts?
1: Yeah, I—I I mean, God, all of this has obviously changed massively, even in the last few years. Um, and I think eventually the—the the way that you know personal data and jobs and things like that will go down is it will all need to be completely neutral. Um, there won't be anything in terms of identifying, even when applicants send information in. It'll just be, you know, might as well be a, a number. Uh, there won't be anything. But I think in terms of adverts, you know, it's really tricky because. I think there's some really common pitfalls sometimes that people fall into. I saw a job advert the other day um, for a really well-known company, actually. um, And they said that they were looking at the the way that it was worded, said, we are looking for Spanish people or people from Spain. And I read that and I just thought, okay, right, you, you could ask for you know, here's here's the responsibilities. And one of those key essential responsibilities is that you need to be multilingual and you need to be able to speak English and Spanish or Portuguese and Spanish or, or whatever. Hmm. But you can't say you just want a Spanish person. <laughs> you know, it's because why? What what yeah. there's no there's no reason and and I think when you think of it like that, people might think, oh, well, that's that's not so bad. But if that job advert was here and it was saying, we only want to hire someone who's white British, people would go nuts and yeah. go absolutely berserk because you can't do it. It's not right. So you've, you really do have to think about the way you word things. And I think that's it. It all comes down to the language that you're using. Mm. Um, and, you know, when sometimes people will write things in a way that, sounds male or sounds female even when they think it's not being um and I I can't there was um there was a job advert that went out a while ago and it was in the news where they'd um they used words like um energetic and mm-hmm. you know yeah i didn't say youthful but it was it was along those veins and and they were basically told that you you can't do this because what you're essentially doing is aiming that job advert that at people who are say under 40 and therefore it's age discrimination yeah. so really common words that people used to use to to describe the kind of worker But naturally, they're not going to put someone who's they're not going to write a job advert that says we want someone really slow and careful and hesitant. And they're not going to do that naturally. But it's just about making sure that it's quite factual at the end of the day. And the things you can still be captivating and inspirational and create excitement about a job without Putting a, a candidate in mind, and I think that's what people do when they when they write a job advert, uh, they almost have in mind the person who would fill that role already. Um, and there's it's always the sort of old adage that like people hire people like them. And that's why you tend to see, you know, uh, when you see like the line of succession, it's always people that are very, very similar to, to the person that's come before them. And I'd be the first to admit back when I was a retail manager, and this is many moons ago now. I probably had that this is an unconscious bias, but I probably did hire people that were very similar to me. Um, I mean, I had a real mix of, of male and female. I mean, it was, it was retail, so there was a lot of kids, you know, just wanted a Saturday job. But I would pick people who were bubbly and outgoing and enthusiastic. Um, in my head, it was just because, well, it's retail and it's customer service and you need to be like that. But actually, it probably meant that some of the people who were more reserved, who would have maybe been better at the at communicating with customers who were, you know, mm-hmm. slightly more on their wavelength, that they were being narrowed down. So it, this is the thing: people have to bear that in mind. That even when they're, I mean, especially when they're putting it in writing, because <laughs> it's there, it's it's evidence. You know, it's evidential mm-hmm. um, what's been asked for that they're just not bearing a particular person in mind and really thinking about how to make it as gender neutral, as inclusive, um, and even making sure, you know, if your client does have a diversion and inclusion policy, highlighting that on the job advert as well, because that actually gives candidates a a real sense of confidence, I think, that, You know, they're not going to be overlooked purely because of the way their name sounds or, you know, where where their address is or anything like that. Um, So sometimes just get another person to read it.
0: (laughs) Or get another. Or get another person to write it as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, but definitely get a second opinion because sometimes, as I say, you can be too close to something and you can, and that's why you can write something in a way, if you've got in your head who you think is going to fill it and actually someone else could come and look at it and go, actually, maybe we can tweet this. You know, sometimes it's a couple of words and that's all it takes to, to make it sound more inclusive.
0: Um, And one last question I've got on uh, on the adverts before we kind of uh, move on to something uh, something else is how important is the job title uh, when it kind of comes to these things? Because my experience is that you can have the same job in different businesses and it can have a different title, Uh, and this is always confusing. I think, especially from a candidate's perspective and an applicant's perspective, is is this. How, how do you overcome that? You know what I mean? And, and I guess, I'm, I, I I, think I know how you're going to answer it, but how, I mean, how how do you, how do you get around that?
1: Oh, uh, so I'm really divided on job titles um, and I'll explain why. So for the most part, I think job titles are, are really wanky because mm-hmm. it's just like, as long as you're doing the job, call yourself whatever you want, uh, you know, and, and I, you, you also see really inflammatory job, job titles as well, like uh, Marketing Ninja, uh,
0: oh,
1: God. Or yeah. Guru, oh. um, or Superstar, um, and you're just like, bleh. Um, yeah. But at the same time, when, when I actually applied for, for my recruitment marketing role, originally the job title was for a marketing executive, but as I went through the interview process, which was a month-long process with three different interviews, and the final one was a panel of all of the directors. As I went through that process and I understood more about what the job actually was, I sort of had the realization of shit, this is this is a lot more responsibility than a marketing executive. And, you know, I knew, and I think like a lot of people know, when you're, you know, this generation, we don't stay in a job for 30 years, we do move on. Mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, actually having a marketing manager job title would step me in better, you know, for future. And so when they offered me the job, I said, yeah, I'll take it. But I want my job title reviewed. And I think that's more down to the fact that I know people are fickle. Hmm. And other people will look at job titles and say, oh, head of this, or you know, you're you're the the overseer of this or you're the chief exec of that. And and people are, they're fickle and they do look at that. And if they see an entry-level job title, they they don't think you're very important, or you know, you're not as good. Um, and that's horrible. And I kind of knew that. But at the same time, I think it shouldn't matter what you're called. I put out a post on LinkedIn ages ago when I first started my business and I was like, what the hell do I call myself now? Founder, owner, the dog's bollocks. I have no idea. I could literally call myself whatever I wanted. It wouldn't make a difference to me or anyone else right now, as long as I do the job I do. Hmm. It really doesn't matter. I could call myself Captain Underpants if I wanted. Um, And I think that's the thing. As long as the rest of the advert. Is true to what's happening, um, then it shouldn't matter. But I don't think there's ever a reason why a conversation, why it shouldn't be an open dialogue. I've had conversations about my job titles and previous roles as well, where as a role evolved over time, you get things added on, chucked on the side of it. Actually, being able to have a confident conversation with your manager saying, "I'd like to review my job title," um, but when it comes to the advert itself it's it's difficult i'm really torn on it i think as long as it doesn't use wanky words like ninja and superstar um then it yeah it really shouldn't because it's, it's about the content of the advert it's about actually what you're doing and the responsibility that's lifted within yeah that.
0: Completely. And no directors of fun or anything like that, please. None of that.
1: <laughs> I once saw an advert for a job at Boots, which was head of Christmas. And don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I wanted that job. Who wouldn't want to be head of Christmas? You're basically Santa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, uh, a quick a quick story from my I actually ended up, I, I went for a role with a recruiter. Um, And the previous job I had before that, we were in the office one day and we were joking, oh, if we could have any job title, what would it be? And we were just making up stupid job titles. And I said, Do you know what? Digital strategy manager kind of sounds fun. And that wasn't even a thing at that point. Um and then I went for this job and it didn't actually have a job title. And so I got and I got the got the role and goes, Oh, what, what do you want to be called? I know what I'm gonna to wanna to be. I would like to be the oh, digital strategy period. manager, please. And I was oh, yeah, okay, you can be that. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of like put kind of, kind of, uh, pre-planned my own job title. I mean, it didn't, it didn't actually match anything really what I kind of, kind of did. Um, but it was kind of fun, you know, um, I mean, I, you know, I think we've kind of covered kind of job adverts. I don't think if anybody hasn't kind of doesn't know how to write a decent job advert of this or know who to go to, to write a decent <laughs> job advert of this, I think they're, they're they're nuts. Um, let's just kind of a quick kind of just kind of talk around kind of general kind of, um, web copy from a recruitment perspective and things like. Um, kind of blogs and articles and 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 your kind of standpoint on those and how you think you should go about them. So I'll, I'll kick it off. One of the things we always kind of get pushed on is the length of those kind of things, right? Uh, so that's a kind of – and we feel – I feel uh, shorter is usually a bit better. You know, you, you're not writing a fucking novel, basically. Um, but I think people – Judge you on by the by volume sometimes, and that was really annoys me instead of quality. And where do you kind of sit on that if you're writing articles for a for a for a company?
1: So I think it depends on the content for sure. If it's something that's more educational, you know, or involves a case study, I think 100 percent, you can be looking at you know 1,000 to 1,200 words. Um, I would say a standard article, anything between four to six hundred words is is gold. Um, I have seen. Articles on recruitment sites where they were literally using it like Twitter, and they put like three sentences. And then it's just a load of blank page and it's, oh my God, why? Why did you even waste, you know, just put it on Twitter. That's not where it's supposed to go. Um, But I think, you know, when, when agencies, I know that agencies really struggle to think about what to put on there, especially when everyone's putting exactly the same stuff out, you know, here's our top 10 interview tips, how to do a Zoom interview. (laughs) It's, you know, and everyone's putting exactly the same stuff out. So the first thing I'd say is be original like actually have a think, sit down all of you and you know think about what questions are we being asked by candidates what are what are the biggest issues that our clients are facing go and commission a survey around it go and you know put a poll out on social go and get some actual content that's original to you guys something that's actually going to provide value to either your candidates or your clients and present that information back and you know people don't need to just rely on Blogs, articles—you know—they could do it as a carousel on LinkedIn. Um, those are doing really well at the moment. Um, you could put it together in an infographic. You could put release it as like an ebook. Uh, use it as a lead generation activity, especially if it's for clients. Um, you know, you could put that on your newsletter. But I think in terms of articles. Learn to write a good headline. This is my first, uh, you know, there's loads of headline generators out there. If you're really that lazy, uh, you know, there's absolutely loads. So go and find a headline generator and use that. Um, but, you know, it, all your copy is worthless if your headline doesn't actually get people to click on and, and read more. So that that's the first thing. Then you've got your absolute basics, you know, remembering your important details. So thinking about who, what, where, when, why, Uh, they're all critical for for good copywriting um, and your readers want them because they make your copy real and they make it concrete and trustworthy as well. If it's just a load of nonsense here, there and everywhere and there's no no structure to it, people don't know what they're reading. Um, The other thing I'd say as well is make it skimmable because as much as some people, especially on like LinkedIn, if you share it, they're quite happy to sit and read a whole article Others just they just want the facts. They're just like, give it to me quick. I'm short on time. So use headings, subheadings, you know, bulleted lists, you know, format text in different ways. So maybe bold, italic, use images, gifs, you know, really make it content rich. Um, but vary, you know, vary your sentence and paragraph lengths as well. So really sort of chop it up into di- digestible little bits of information. Um, but really and and this is where you know actually having a copywriter is really helpful because some things that some people won't think about is using active voice. So when you're using active voice, you know the the subject does the action instead of being acted upon. And that makes it really powerful. So it, they make it also makes it easier to follow and understand as well. So as an example, um you know we wrote our new ebook to help you work smarter not harder versus the new ebook written by our company can help you work smarter instead of harder. So the first sentence is shorter and, you know, easier to follow. So it's even those small tweaks Mm -hmm. and thinking about that and a really great tool um, for checking the difference between active and passive voice is the Hemingway editor. Um, If people want to just kind of chuck it in there and they've no idea about anything I just said if it's all just kind of gone in one ear and out the other is go on to Hemingway Editor because you can just drop it in and it will tell you exactly what you're where you're going wrong um in that side of things but a lot of it does come down to the research beforehand as well and I think too many people are quite happy just to sort of slap anything go I'll put it on the blog um my absolute bugbear, and if my if the agency I used to work for are uh, listening to this then they' they'll hate me for saying it, but it's not just them that do this loads of agencies do it. nobody gives a shit if you've just renewed a ten a contract with with a client, yeah, no one gives a shit if you if you just want a tender like literally nobody cares, and the thing is, I know that agencies put it on their blogs because you know they want to show the client that they're shouting about them and all that. Invest in some PR instead. You know, get get it out somewhere else in within the, their industry news, within your sphere. You know, your local chamber of commerce. Don't put it on your. Fucking blog like no, no one's interested in that um and and the thing is even if you do put it on there don't just put we've signed we've signed another two-year contract like make it interesting yeah. actually offer something why have they re-signed what did you do for them how many you know candidates did you did you place with them in the year like actually make make it into a case study if you're gonna do it don't just say it's because we've re-signed a con we signed a piece of paper it's <laughs> so boring <laughs>
0: um I, yeah, I completely agree. That, that's just just kind of just drivel, isn't it? You know, um, yeah. You know, I, I always like the term uh, trying to be that kind of signal in the noise, and it's difficult, right? It's difficult to kind of stand out from everyone. Which brings me on to my last question: is about having an opinion and whether and how how much you should kind of put an emphasis on that, and does that really work? Does it not work? The, usually, the, the 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 feedback we get is oh, we don't want to kind of upset the apple cart. Because by having an opinion, we don't want to upset anyone by having an opinion. My feeling is you should always have an opinion. but where do you kind of stand on that?
1: I think you should if you if you are the kind of people that have opinions on something, then yes, you should voice that opinion. Um, I got really angry last year when I saw so many businesses jumping on Black Lives Matter when you you know you you saw businesses that were like posting this really emotive like quote from our founder um and then like you'd you'd go onto their website and it was just meet the meet the team page was just a wall of white and you you just kind of felt it was really disingenuous um and and that they were just jumping on it for the sake of it so i think if you've actually got something valid to say then a hundred percent have the balls to say it and Don't be worried about upsetting other people um, or, you know, so many businesses are oh, but we don't want to upset our clients. It's like, but surely you should care about if your clients don't have the same values as you. Every recruitment agency I know has like, you know, their five core values and they have Mm -hmm. them like painted on the wall. Not one recruitment consultant could tell you what those values are. Um, But for the agencies that do live by those values, promote them actively. Don't just have them in, you know, in a mission statement somewhere that gets sent off with an award entry, actually live and breathe by them. And if you're too worried to speak out in case a client doesn't agree with it, should you really be working with them if they, if they're not aligned to what your, what your values are as a business and people as well? Um, so yeah, no, hundred percent, like have an opinion on something, but don't just jump on a bandwagon. For the sake of it, um, I, I mean, I saw it was, there was a PR agency of all things last year um, that were called like White, and it was spelled with a Y, and they changed their name to Black in support of. But uh, and and you just then you're like shaking your oh. head, and it's and they they were a PR agency as well. So you look at it like, what did yeah. no one look at this and go, really? Um, so yeah, uh, think do think about what you're saying um, because I think you don't want to upset people but you know that i think you can voice your opinion without being rude um without doing it in a way that's inflammatory but don't be afraid that by posting something that you're going to get loads of comments you know because actually that's making you famous if people are actually talking about you that's what you wanted you want you want to get their attention
0: yeah uh completely agree um yeah it that that can be uh, I mean, those examples just sound like an absolute, just kind of like PR disaster, don't they? Really, uh, you're better off just not doing anything. Basically, it's just kind of just you know, just just don't do anything if you do, if you haven't got nothing really kind of um, useful to say or add to the subject. Um, Jess, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Uh, thanks for all those kind of tips. I'm sure all the listeners are gonna are gonna get a lot from this, especially stuff around job adverts because. Let, you know you know as well as i did there's still a lot of work to be done around that kind of area um, and generally just kind of good copy is worth much more than people kind of at, you know kind of put, put on it um, so if anybody does want any really kind of any copywriting help they know where to turn to we'll include all your details on the show notes um, and again thank you for joining me today
1: thank you so much for having me
0: thanks for listening And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Marketing Rules podcast on Apple, Spotify and all other major podcasting platforms. I've been your host, James Whitelock, and I hope you can join me and more amazing guests next time. The Marketing Rules Podcast is a Think in Circles production.